0: Welcome to the Message to Kings podcast. I'm Lance Ralston, host of Communio Sanctorum, History of the Christian Church podcast. I've greatly enjoyed listening to Brett Heaston's podcast because of his unique insights into the interface of history in the Bible. As a pastor and Bible teacher, I've taught verse by verse through the entire Bible five times, but listening to Message to Kings, I gain new insights that I can't wait to share the next time I teach through it. King David of Israel is arguably one of the most fascinating figures, not just in scripture, but in history, and archaeology has now verified his existence. David was larger than life, a man who lived big. When he was good, he was really, really good, and when he was bad, he was just awful. Along with you, I look forward to some more good stuff to glean from the story of David. So, Brett, bring it on. Thanks Lance for the intro. If you want to hear an excellent podcast where biblical history pretty much ends, check out Lance Ralston's Communio Sanctorum, the history of the Christian Church podcast. For more on Lance, over a year ago, we interviewed him in a church history talk special. You can find it in the podcast feed or on the new messagetokings.com website under specials and interviews. Episode 86, Saul and the Witch of Endor I have always thought this is the finest and most finished witch scene that ever was written or conceived, and you will be of my opinion if you consider all the circumstances of the actors of the case, together with the gravity, simplicity, and density of the language. It beats all the ghost scenes I have ever read. Lord Byron, 1830 In this episode, we'll be discussing the bizarre scene of Saul on the eve of his final battle and death, and his encounter with the Witch of Endor and the spirit of witchcraft. Before we get to Saul and the Witch of Endor, we need an update from David. He and his men were holding out in Ziglag, semi-autonomous, yet far enough away from Saul to not be a threat, yet allied with the Philistines in servant to Achish, one of their kings. This is all about to change, and Achish is going to call upon his loyalty that he's earned. 1 Samuel 28 In those days the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. Then David said, Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. Achish replied, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel was dead, and all at Israel had mourned for him, and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. So what's going on is that there's four armies roving about in the region of Israel. The Philistines are joining for war against Israel. Saul is assembling his forces to fight the Philistines near Mount Gilboa. There is David's 600 men, which with David at their head could be considered thousands and thousands of soldiers. Taking Arthur Wellington's respect for Emperor Napoleon, he said Napoleon's presence on the battlefield alone accounted for 30,000 troops. If David was half the commander of Napoleon, he had 15,600 troops at his disposal. In addition, unknown to these three armies, there was a nomadic tribe called the Amalekites about to crash into southern Israel and Philistia. So while David was called up to help Achish, Unknown to him was a threat coming from the east and south upon his home of Ziglag. So I've got your attention with the account of the Four Armies. It's not five like the Hobbit, but hey, Four Armies isn't so bad. So here's a little note on the next few episodes. There's lots and lots of warfare coming for the military history fan. I also have to say, it's going to get really intense. Remember that comment a long time back about gory Bible hour? Well, there's going to be lots of that too. I'll be actually making a statement at the beginning of a few of these episodes where it's going to be graphic and intense if there's kiddos listening. Alright, so let's consider what's going on. The Philistines are growing in strength and assembling to attack Saul. Well, this is not the first time they've attacked Israel. Time and time again, David was there to defeat them. But where was David at the moment? The answer is with the Philistines. The sad part is that David has been empowering the Philistines against Israel. His move to Philistia enriched the Philistines and also removed the most powerful military force from Israel and the effect of this move continues. David, by leaving, took the anointing and priesthood to the Philistines. The loss of the anointing, or the anointed one, out of Israel's geography created a vacuum, while the blessing that rested upon the priesthood and anointed one was physically in the enemy's land. Unknown to David, his action helped to build up the Philistines. And help lead to the Battle of Gilboa. It's a very irresponsible thing to act in fear when you carry the presence of God and His anointing into enemy territory. Well, the Philistines track Saul down at Mount Gilboa and prepare for battle, and Saul sees the Philistines and he is terrified. Here's the account 1 Samuel 28 5. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams, or Urim, or the prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul, in his terror, actually cries out to God, but he doesn't answer him. I love how it's so very clear he tried all sorts of means to contact God. The prophets... Urim, and dreams. But after all, he's walked away from him long ago. And if you ignore God for about thirty years and become his enemy, should he answer? In Saul's desperation, he calls for a witch, which is just crazy since he's previously conducted witch hunts to eradicate witches from the land. Josephus uses more precise language than medium. He used the word to describe the witch as a necromancer. A necromancer is defined as one who conducts the practice of talking to the spirits of dead people. So reading into this, Saul was very specific in his need to inquire with one in witchcraft who communicated with the dead. Josephus also adds, Saul takes with him his most trusted servant, the most faithful to him, which most likely would have been none other than Abner, And another servant of his. So, this is where we find a connection by looking at Jewish tradition. Again, this is tradition. Jewish tradition holds that this witch or necromancer of Endor was the mother of Abner, Saul's trusted commander and general of his armies. But, sliding this possibility into our story, we can make a bit more sense of what happens after Gilboa. All right, enough of the prelude. Let's get to the encounter between Saul and the witch. In the words of Ustah Scrub in the voyage of the dawn-treader, it is getting weirder and weirder. 1 Samuel 28.8 So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know that Saul, what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? he asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down, prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams, so I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me, now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David." Because you did not obey the Lord and carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this thing to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, he had eaten nothing all that day and all that night. And when the woman came to Saul, and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life into my hands and did what you told me. Now please listen to your servant, and let me give you some food, so you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him, and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had a fattened calf at the house which she butchered at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, baked bread without yeast. And then she set it before Saul and his men and they ate. That same night they got up and left. Isn't that a crazy story? So the witch brings Samuel back from the dead to talk and visit with him. Josephus is specific in the statement of bringing the soul of Samuel up to talk to him. Regardless, we're talking about some weird stuff. Highlight St. Augustine's commentary on this. Thus by some hidden dispensation of divine will, the prophet allowed himself to be thus made use of even as our Lord himself in the days of his humiliation submitted to be taken by Satan, and set by him on the pinnacle of the temple. Or simply put, even as God spoke through Caiaphas the high priest and Balaam the prophet, why can't he speak through a random necromancer in the Old Testament the time of Saul? And also we have to consider the strange placement of the witch of Endor. It has other purposes when we consider Samuel's words to Saul after he rebuked him for sinning. 1 Samuel 15.23 For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. One could say, Saul opened the door to arrogance and idolatry and folly, which God threw down with Nabal. And one could say, Saul opened the door to rebellion. The spirit behind the rebellion was witchcraft, and Saul had nowhere else to run in the end, but witchcraft as evidenced by this scene with the witch of Endor. And God was forced to throw down this awful disease and principality over Israel in the battle of Gilboa. In the next episode, we will not be covering Saul in his battle with the Philistines, but instead what happens to David as he finds himself in a pickle. Do you fight with the Philistines, with his lord Achish against Israel? Do you run? Do you betray the Philistines and win the battle for Israel? But before he gets to put a plan into action, Achish sends him away only to find out the mystery fourth army is on the loose. The raging Amalekites were pillaging southern Philistia and Judah, and Ziglag. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, it would be wrong to not address the issue of witchcraft with anyone who's listening to this podcast. We have to address this to anyone who's participated in witchcraft in their lives. Be aware witchcraft opens a dark door in your life into an occult realm and allows nasty darkness into your life. Participation in witchcraft opens demonic doors and surrenders legal rights to darkness to interfere in God's plan for your life. Jesus is the bringer of life and life more abundant. Witchcraft leads to death and destruction. With a spiritual war raging between good and evil and light and darkness, we have to carefully not be taken by false spiritual power in the form of witchcraft. Saul's rebellion against God manifested itself in many forms, and with many sins, until it climaxed in this scene with the witch of Endor. We have to be careful in our lives to not be duped by witchcraft in its many forms. If you have ever agreed with witchcraft and been part of some foolish agreement with evil, renounce it by the blood of Jesus. If you have false words and curses over your life, burn them in the fire. Replace them with God's words of blessing, for a loving Father blesses, not curses. It's really that simple. If you ever wondered if a word is from God, consider this. Would a wonderful Father speak this word over you? What good Father would curse you? God is your Father and loves and wants to bless you and give you peace. God, the perfect Father, speaks life and blessing and wisdom and growth in your life. Replace the lies and deceit of witchcraft with the truth of how God sees you. Even in the midst of one of the worst moments in all of Israel's history, Jeremiah penned these words, They are for you and for me. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is God's plan to prosper you, to give you hope, and a future. Before we log out this week, I'd like to make an announcement. We now have a dedicated MessageToKings.com website. Check it out. On the website, there's an area for biblical history, all the podcast episodes and programs available to play on the site, all the podcast specials, the interviews, the dramatizations, internet radio links, a section on how to know Jesus personally, a store for CDs, an area for prayer requests, an area to submit comments, an area to give financially, and an area where we post links to our friends who we worked with or do the podcast thing together. So check it out, messagetokings.com. Hope you enjoy this episode of Message to Kings. Speak to you next week when David discovers the Amalekites have raided and burned Ziklag and captured their wives and the families of his soldiers. Feel free to visit the Message messagetokings.com website or the Facebook page or leave a comment or question or if you want to chat, email us at kings at gmail.com.